0: From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena, from the Plains to the Recruiting Trail, and all points in between, if it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello.
1: Hey, everybody. You know me, it's Brandon. Uh, I'm joined today by (laughs) James. Oh, James. People are going to either love him or hate him. James Crappy, everybody. He has a radio show, and he can lay claim to being the only person on the planet to cover Auburn football and Oregon football within the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I do have that distinction, don't I? Uh, Isn't that yeah. incredible, folks? Yeah, I got that feather in my cap. Uh, I would say that it's the reason why I took the job, but uh, no, no, I didn't know. It's just <laughs> the fact that this this is basically go back to the Gus Malzahn introductory press conference when it was asked about, hey, you play uh, Arkansas State in week two uh, in 2013. And he goes, yeah, how about that? Uh, yeah, uh, how about that? This is the opener. Um, but, uh, what a, what a coinkydink. but yes, uh, we, we meet again just when I thought I was out and just when I'm sure a sizable portion of your audience and the Auburn fan base thought I was out and relishing that opportunity. They pull me back in, don't they? So yes, we will see, we will meet again in Arlington, Texas in, uh, what, nine days now. So yeah, should be uh, should be a fun yeah. one.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun, because I have no idea what this Auburn team is going to look like, um, besides maybe the defense a little bit. Um, the offense, no clue, because Auburn's starting a true freshman in Bo Nix, very talented kid, obviously, but as talented as he is, I wonder about the game plan around him, are they conservative with him, all that, plus how does he react? Anyway, but with this Oregon team, the reason why we've got you on here is we want to talk a little bit about Oregon. Um seems like every other day I'm hearing something about a receiver going down. The latest doesn't seem to be serious. Juwan Johnson, am I saying his name correctly? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh The Penn State transfer who was thought, I guess they, they think of him as the number one receiver there right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's okay. He's expected to play. But what's going on with uh, Oregon's receivers? Give us the update there and, and why that's a concern or maybe it's not really a concern for Oregon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so obviously both teams have been a bit snake bit here uh, in the preseason with injuries to the wide receiver core, and you don't want to see it to any of them. You you want both of these teams to be 100% healthy and and everybody to be at their peak when you have this marquee matchup in week one, and both teams are dealing with injuries in particular at the wide receiver position. So for Oregon's perspective uh, and what they have and dealing with the injuries, the first was to Brendan Schooler, who... Uh, It was going to be the starter on the outside at uh, whether you want to call it the Z receiver position or flanker, depending on offense and scheme and whatnot. But that role, uh, that was what he was set to do. And he goes down pretty early uh, with a right foot injury that requires surgery and takes him out for six to eight weeks. So now it's down somewhere in the five to seven, maybe six week uh, range. Well, certainly takes him out of the opener and probably Oregon's first At least three, maybe four games, uh, which is really disappointing for him. He's a senior, uh, really the leader of that group. Uh, He's a converted defensive back, though, by trade. Uh, Did that a couple of years ago. He is roommates with Justin Herbert. So this is somebody who's great friends with uh, both on the field and off the field with the quarterback. And really did raise his level in the spring where yeah, he was among that returning uh, pieces in the receiver core that lost Dylan Mitchell from a year ago, who set program records for receiving yards. But. After that, there was a big drop by way of production down to Brendan Schooler and Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson, the third. You have these freshmen come in and Josh Delgado and Micah Pittman and a grad transfer and Juwan Johnson, where it was a position that needed to be addressed Oregon addressed it with four freshman signees, two were early uh, mid-year enrollees, and one grad transfer. But here, a guy like Brendan Schooler, who I understand certainly for both Oregon fans look at his production and Auburn fans can look on paper and say, you know, all right, you didn't see him play before, but what's Oregon really worried about? All right, you you certainly don't want to see a guy get hurt, but grand scheme of things, how much is it really going to hurt them on paper for a guy who only had 21 catches for 203 yards and one touchdown. Well, he really did raise his level of play uh, and caliber of play compared to last season. So taking him off the field certainly was not a positive development. All right. And who replaces him? Well, Johnny Johnson, the third, his production was pretty comparable. And the biggest issue for this wide receiver court, and I know we addressed it, Brendan over the course of, Uh, The offseason was drops. Well, John Johnson III was probably the biggest culprit of the returning receivers in that regard. Well, it's positive to hear in this fall camp that he's a guy who seems to be turning a corner there and that ball security and catching the ball is going in a positive direction for him. We'll see in the opener if that continues to be the case once it's actually game-like scenarios and games are going on, but... So far, everything that we've been hearing is that John Johnson III has been holding on the ball back, but he's who's filling in for Brendan Schooler, who got hurt. Micah Pittman, again, a guy I mentioned to you, shows up in the spring. Everything was fantastic, positive. This is a guy, a young man who comes from an NFL lineage. His brother plays at USC at receiver. Had a goal of having no drops in fall camp, and it sounds kind of ridiculous, but he didn't have any drops to through you know up to the second fall scrimmage he lays out dives to make a catch in the second scrimmage and suffers a shoulder injury and he's out so that's a guy who's competing for the starting slot position probably in the backup role but was going to be a major contributor he's out for not just the opener but again another guy probably out for at least the four, first four games so that's two guys down then you have another true freshman who enrolled in the summer in J.R. Waters, who was going to be in the rotation. Was he going to be a major player here in this uh, August 31st season opener against Auburn? No, he was probably going to be a handful of plays, but nevertheless, he's also probably carving out a little bit of a role on special teams. He goes down with a right foot injury. So that's three guys in this wide receiver core. One, a major major returning guy, one, a mid-year enrollee who was off to an incredible start in the spring and fall camp, and then another situational player who all go down. That's why it's already bad enough. Then a Juwan Johnson, albeit minor uh, uh, you know, muscle cramping and strain earlier this week, that would have been crippling to this wide receiver core uh, if, if that had been serious. So certainly great to hear that that's not the case for Juwan Johnson but Oregon's wide receiver core has suffered one blow after another here during this fall camp.
1: See, that's why I like having James on podcasts. One, he's very informative. Two, I don't have to talk very much because on one of, my, <laughs> one of my past podcasts, I would just be like, I got nothing to talk about, so I'd have James come on, and I'd just have him run the show for like 45 minutes to an hour. It was great. Um so yeah, all it's a very thorough like update.
0: Five guys are dealing with injuries, man. You know, to check off the list and give you the context yeah. for all of them and what it means. Yeah. It does take a minute. Well, <laughs> Auburn,
1: Auburn had seventeen injured players at one point in preseason camp. Um, but they're not That's all serious. I, perfect. I mean, I just I reported everything that I that I could find out. But none of it was none of it was serious actually. Now that I think of it, other than the Austin Troxel, the right tackle, we knew he was going to be out and. Anthony Shorts, which is still on the fence about whether they're going to play him the season opener, though, I I would think that they're going to uh, hold him out. It's way too early. That's a surgery that takes at least, I, I've been told, four to six weeks. They were hoping three to five. We'll see. But obviously, Auburn's fastest player. So yeah, both teams dealing with injury slash uh, injury at the receiver core. Auburn, obviously, hoping Will Hastings and Eli Stove's soreness in their knees don't affect them, but... Auburn brought them out to talk to the media earlier this week, which was kind of surprising to me, even though it wasn't to others, because I was just like, man, eh, they're going to be asked a lot about their knees and all that stuff. And they're going to walk in here. And we're going to see if they're limping or whatever. And they looked fine. So anyway, um, so James, um, I will be in Arlington. You'll be in Arlington on August mm-hmm. 31st. Um, do you want... A K- KT Harrell jersey or a banner <laughs> with his number on it?
0: <laughs> All I'm saying is I think history will judge his career in that final season in particular <laughs> quite kindly.
1: It was one year. He played yeah, one year one off the rails. As,
0: as many people pointed out, you among them, One year. many people pointed out, and raise this this past season, uh, if Bryce Brown deserves it, because now granted Bryce played his whole he career. He did over there. several years,
1: transfer. man. He didn't do I it for one year as a transfer. And,
0: and they brought and he helped bring the program to back to back tournaments and obviously the Final Four and all that. However, and, and believe me, I very much like Bryce. Wrote a huge story on him, you know, the year before and etc. And, et cetera, and uh, uh, was thrilled to see the you know him and the, and the program have success and Bruce have success etc. However. Compare the numbers of their best seasons.
1: Don't do this side
0: by side, and KT had a better season. He was a better pure shooter. Oh my now, is, I'm not talking about who is the better player, who or who might have a better professional career, or any isn't of those that, things. Isn't that shouldn't
1: that be the person whose jersey's retired, the better player?
0: Well, you can ultimately, I think, ah. you actually kind of have a legitimate argument. No, of, KT Harrell's
1: uh, not a better player than Bryce Brown don't don't do this
0: better pure shooter no but all around player bryce absolutely all around player lockdown defender
1: yeah there you go so that's why he would have to have his jersey retired way before kt harrell and i'm not saying bryce brown should have his jersey retired either you were making the case back
0: in march what are you talking about mm, um um if they want a national here.
1: champ if they flo- if they want a national championship
0: the Final Four for the first time in not only program yeah. but state history
1: but, is pretty I mean, significant too. Listen, I mean, <clears throat> he's an amazing player. I don't think KT Harrell would have done what he did against Virginia All in the final I'm minutes. This,
0: in, in given that the SEC is going to have the SEC legends, you know, and, and have an SEC legend from every school every year, and definitely and forever, right that at one point or another, well, sure, both mean- of them are going to be recognized in that Doesn't capacity.
1: mean their jersey needs to be retired.
0: No, but the bar was pretty low in that program. By Do you way think Jason Campbell's
1: is. jersey should be retired? Campbell's? Yeah.
0: Uh, No, probably not. Okay, just probably stop not. it. But, but, but stop, Auburn dude. football program history compared to Auburn... A uh, uh, basketball program history yeah. is, is to say it's night and day is not even
1: but doing it justice. You got to have some context here because let's say okay, crazy James James world where KT Harrell's jersey was retired <laughs> two I years ago. I was just ago.
0: saying that, at no, that. No 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 no. At no. that time, exactly that's what I'm saying right now. Low point. His his okay. his numbers right. were stacked right. up again. Re- remember the fact <clears> that he led the league in scoring that year. And that in program history, that didn't really happen. Threes.
1: All right, so anyway, okay, so he does that, right? Auburn retires his jersey, and James gets his moment. And <laughs> KT, about me. KT's jersey is retired, and then this final four run happens, and then people are looking up in the rafters at that jersey. Do you think they're thinking, yeah, maybe we should have held off on that?
0: I don't know. What do they think about Chuck Persons' jersey being retired nowadays?
1: Well, um that's a whole different story. He's not in prison, man. He um he's living his best life.
0: No, they just that uh, you know they may have to disassociate from him and oh, whoever sure else and, and you know what?
1: Concerned. I have it I have it uh you know, I go to a barbershop shop here in town that Chuck uh apparently Frequence. frequents. He hasn't been back um in a few months, so
0: no, well, apparently, I think he's now living in Georgia,
1: oh, is he really?
0: based on the last thing that I saw with ah. the uh, court filings and stuff is that he oh. was now full time uh residing elsewhere
1: well, well, there you go then, guess I'll never sit next to him in a barber shop chair again
0: too bad um he might have you might have asked you for you know hit you up for money, so be be glad yeah, no about
1: kidding him. anyway, I don't want to talk about that guy so uh <laughs> If Cameron Artis Payne was playing in this game, <laughs> does, does he win the Heisman? <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm just yeah, – I'm bust – I just Go I on. just came on here. I, I just had you come on here so I can bust your chops. Listen, guys, James thought Cap should have been in the Heisman race in 2014.
0: Um, oh, and by <laughs> the way, the year before when I was the one waving the banner for Trey Mason – and, and everybody yeah, well, was giving me grief about that until... You I know, don't think
1: anybody made. was really giving me grief on that one, though. Were they really? I don't remember that.
0: Yeah, because everybody thought it should have been Nick. And uh, just saying Gus that thought, Gus was thought, it, was
1: Gus thought it should have, have been Nick. Thing. Gus thought it should have been Nick heading into until mid-November. Until
0: the SEC championship game, and then yeah. that's why Trey finished sixth. Because well, yeah. He had well, the, they started, they started making the push.
1: Base. Yeah, because Gus was like, that night, uh, we need to start pushing him for the Heisman. It's like, uh... <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> votes are pretty much all in. Almost, I mean, come on, right? right. Yeah, um, Trey should have definitely finished higher than sixth that year. Yes, I think Auburn stumbled that year not pushing him earlier because I mean he was just he was unstoppable.
0: Those numbers were
1: obscene. He was unstoppable, and then of course we didn't. I mean, it's like I don't know. It was weird. Still Why- the
0: greatest single. uh uh, game rushing performance not i'm not even just talking statistically i'm just talking about overall performance whether you want to get into the statistics component of that or not it was the most dominant rushing performance by a single player i've seen at any level
1: uh in one game or for a season
0: for for, uh both uh really that i that i saw okay personally i mean obviously Yeah. yeah i can't say i was alive to see uh, and, and watched and had vivid recollections of Herschel you Walker know, Barry Sanders. Barry
1: Sanders, but, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar- uh, Barry Sanders, I think, was on another level that a lot of people. I mean, some people talk about it, but honestly, I wasn't around then. But talk. I've, I, uh, Houston Nutt was on the staff there at Oklahoma State when he was uh, the running back, and uh, he just talked about how he was just beyond ridiculous. And of course, you, Bo Jackson, and then Herschel Walker. Um, I think the best running back I've ever seen in person and, you know, I'm, I'm only 35 best person I've seen in person running back in person is Darren McFadden. And he ran more like, uh, Eric Dickerson, more of an upright runner, kind of lanky, tall, long stride, um, but powerful. And he finished as the runner up in the Heisman race two years in a row. Um, it was, I mean, goodness, he, he almost had. Arkansas playing for a national championship um <laughs> that's how good he was but uh Trey Mason that year I, I if here's the thing James you know this too if they had played him as much as they did at the end of the
0: season as they did at the start of the season on oh, the first three weeks yeah imagine okay. what he would have done man with a top 2,000 yards to do that in the SEC would have been you top you top yeah. 2,000 yards the Heisman conversation
1: would have been starting organically in October, after yeah. the A and M game. The A and M game
0: would have put it to a, a different national level. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Arkansas performance that he had to have because of just how out of the time possession was early, right. and then obviously the second half that they had to they had to run so much because how much Arkansas was trying to bleed the clock and all that that year, and um, and Trey scored. I think it was four touchdowns in that game. Yeah. Um yeah, it was yeah, it was nuts. Um no I mean, bottom line, he had he had an incredible year, and yeah, I was the one leading carrying that flag was saying, Yeah, here's what this guy's doing in, in historical context, and it took even the program uh until the SEC championship game to fully get behind Trey and give up uh, uh pushing does he, Nick for does, it. does he
1: win the Heisman if, if he rushed for two thousand yards? Like it was very possible.
0: I, Do you think, he I wins think there it? were so. I, I think there were some people who were so enamored with Jameis that year. it yeah. wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, I. I Even though agree with that. nobody, he didn't throw against a single defensive back worth a damn in that league. Yeah. Uh, but you know. But again, but competition for some people, competition didn't matter. And again, that was still the last year of the BCS era. Yeah. So it was. It was amusing where like relative competition uh, yeah. now is all part of the conversation with the playoff but yeah. relative competition by way of individual awards or yeah, anything isn't that like that. not that funny how that works? Yeah. Isn't that it's, funny? It is amusing how, how that <clears throat> does shift uh, in just a matter of moments. Um, but, again, I, I looked at it and just said, Trey, what, and the reason why I was saying it at that time in regard to Trey was because of the competition and the historical perspective of the SEC's leading rusher, at least making it to New York as a finalist. Granted, the years before when it was yeah. Manziel or, or Newton. You had quarterbacks. I understood that. Yeah. But Trey was that guy. You had it with McFadden. You mentioned him. So then we get to 2014, yeah. and why I was saying it was Cap was because at that point it was whatever, five out of the prior six years or six out of seven or whatever, Trey, six yeah, out yeah. of eight, yeah. that the SEC's leading rusher had made it to New York, and Cap was in that conversation. But yes, you gave me grief about it because I wasn't saying that Cap deserved to win it. I was yeah. just saying that based on the historical precedent, he deserved to be there. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you this. <clears> and if it weren't for Melvin Gordon, he might yeah. have very well gotten it. Right?
1: I, I don't know. L- listen, I after talking to some folks and getting to know people here at Auburn over the you know last six years, that two thousand fourteen offensive line for Auburn, as great as that one and thirteen was The one in 14 was better.
0: Probably because the 14 line... I'm trying to remember when Shad Slade left, that right guard. uh, Because... Well, wait. Wasn't Kozan... Kozan was out in 14. Wasn't he? Because he had the back injury. But he was there in 13, but not 14. If memory serves me, correct?
1: I, I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then... anyway. I know Sean took over for Greg, but Yeah. And it, it was better Yeah. they
1: were a, better, a, com- they were a comparable. better comparable. They were a better unit in 2014 than they were in 13. And I, 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 I yeah, he uh Alex Kozan's out 2014 with a back injury. Um after his all SEC, all freshman season. Um I mean JB Grimes has told me that multiple times. He said that that fourteen offensive line was better and thir- than thirteen. And when I hear that, I take into consideration Cap's performance and why he did what he did. Plus, plus Nick Marshall. They were trying to make Nick, make Nick Marshall more to a passer, so that gave more opportunities for Cap. Um, and sure. also having Nick back there helped Cap out a lot. Um, so, Oh, I'm
0: not saying that he was doing it alone. All I'm saying is that he Here's what I'm saying. If, and some if, people, as you know – well, no, some people always chalked it up to – Well, because of the way Gus runs an offense, therefore, the running back is always going to be at that level of success. And that's not true because, one, we saw it in 15 that, hey, credit to Peyton Barber for getting to that point. And two, you really saw it last season because it was all about system and not about players at the end of the day. Then Auburn's streak of thousand yard rushers wouldn't have been snapped. So sooner, you know, uh, obviously, part of it was injuries. I understand that. but. There was an offensive line in front of them, and those players, whether it was Trey Mason or Cap or Peyton Barber or On Johnson, those guys always managed to fall forwards. They had well, that knack and that ability. Yeah,
1: certainly. Well, and I'll say this. I I, I think on Johnson is a better back than Cameron Artis Payne.
0: Agreed. Um, Agreed.
1: Um, and I think Auburn would have won the SEC title if uh, he wasn't injured going into the SEC championship game, um, I, he made that entire offense run, in my opinion, yeah. a, lot, a lot like no, Trey did late in the season.
0: It, um, I mean, hell, you could even make the argument of just simply if he doesn't fumble, which I mean, it's it, not to make it about one play, but. Yeah, well. You know, it was because he, he was injured, apart man. Because he's hurt. He falls yeah. apart because he is injured. So, he's in yes. so much pain.
1: Yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, Back to things that are happening today. Um, I just wanted to bust James's chops because of those two things: retiring KT Harrell's <laughs> jersey and Cameron Arda's pain being in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Just one of many reasons why you're insane, um, <laughs> and why you now live in Oregon. You moved away to Oregon. Hey, wait! I guess-
0: I'm 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 known as being the negative guy, and you just are busting my chops because I was trying to make Auburn players out to be too good. So you know, well, just just remember that. All I'm, I'm saying not saying is,
1: you're the. I'm not saying you're the negative guy. The fans say you're the negative guy,
0: right? I'm just saying, just so, just, yeah. just so you know. What the fans wanna... don't
1: understand is that James is just very thorough and and very good at his job. So yeah, yeah. when the when bad things happen, he goes after that. When good things happen, he really goes after it too. So that's yeah. why you start hearing crazy ass stories like Cameron Artis-Payne should be in the Heisman race <laughs> and KTRL's <laughs> jersey should be retired. I I, I just. Uh, I don't know, man. Okay, all right. So <laughs>
0: I'm just saying, history <coughs> will judge KT Hurl's stats favorably in by way of pre-Bruce Pearl Auburn basketball history.
1: But it his was shooting Bruce statistics
0: Pearl. will always rank very high. But uh, Bruce Pearl always has a shooter like that. Okay, but he still had to shoot that. That team had nobody else on it. On a consistent basis. Oh come on, man! Who was a had, major threat?
1: They had point forward Simeon Bowers,
0: exactly, <laughs> and and Malcolm Canada and Antoine Mason and and oh, the light and Antoine Antoine Mason, wow. Yeah, and 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 you know, Bottom line, everyone in America knew KT Harrell was getting the ball in any big spot, and there's a reason why. Hey, there's a reason why you know. Johnny Jones is no longer the coach at LSU. Uh, and yeah, it's right. not merely because he didn't get enough out of Ben Simmons. Uh, how in yeah. the world do you let the only shooter on the floor get the ball in that spot? Yeah. So, hey, you know, he took him to he got them to incredible success and wins, albeit in a not successful season. But it he, he changed the entire narrative of a season over the course oh. of three days. Oh,
1: okay. All right. All right. Don't don't give me this changing the landscape stuff, because I'll bring up another player.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: Remember how no. Austin Wiley being cleared was going to change oh, the entire well, landscape hey, of the SEC, James? Hey, yeah, well, yeah. I'm not knocking hey. the kid, but what is I mean what's he done? He's averaging like well, four points. And he's been no. injured.
0: Yeah, there's there's other yeah, I was going to say there are other factors that come into that too.
1: But I don't know if he fits in the system either.
0: I uh, here's the one thing that you can still say though about Austin by way of I'll put aside everything cuz again that'll go down a rabbit hole. The one major thing uh, that still would hold true, regardless of his point averages and, and obviously the situation with Chuck and everything else, is for the program, the impact had he gone elsewhere, in particular, had he gone elsewhere in the SEC, that would have been damaging.
1: Yeah, but what if he went elsewhere in the SEC and still was doing what he's doing now, which was battling injury and averaging four points or whatever?
0: That part, you can You have a greater means of contextualizing from a recurring well, perspective. What, that's, or program that's what I'm here for, man.
1: As a, as a journalist, I'm here to contextualize. I, I put everything yeah. in context. <laughs>
0: that, yeah, that part okay. for context is easier to get over. I mean, you can't say like, oh, having like went having, somewhere else and had the I issues know, with yeah. you know, Chuck, I, having Having said, said that...
1: Having yeah well, he's more than an idiot. Having yes. said that about Austin and Wiley, a reprehensible human. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yes. Uh, having said that about Austin Wiley, uh, I think he's gonna have a pretty good year this year if he's healthy. Finally, which he he has been. Um, anyway, but um, you
0: might look. Um, you know how close we were to an uh Oregon Auburn Final Four last year. Yeah, well, and and both teams pushed Virginia and obviously I still say the wrong team, obviously the wrong team won that game, the wrong team Duh. Won the national championship. Duh. Not, it doesn't take anything away from what Virginia ultimately ended up doing in the sense that, Hey, they still had to win the game, but the wrong team won the game uh, yep. against Auburn. That said, Oregon pushed them very deep. And if Lewis King doesn't decide to try to single-handedly take over a game when he's got a bad, bad, hand yeah. And bad foot, yeah, uh, Oregon might've pulled it off. <clears throat> well, I say all that is context of saying, Bruce wanted to play Dana and Dana, according to Bruce didn't want to go for it. This goes back a couple of years. So there could have been a non-conference series last season and this season or the prior two seasons, uh, but they couldn't be arranged. Now I understand why ultimately Dane Allman didn't want to go for that because he wasn't sure if Auburn was going to be any good <laughs> until they were good. Yeah. Um, so would have been lovely if they'd been able to pull it off this year, but, There was I don't think there was any way, but that would have been really compelling this past year if it was Austin against uh, a bowl bowl when he was healthy. And it would have been really compelling this year if it even happens in postseason play, potentially for these two programs, because Oregon's got a 611 kid who is reclassifying coming in and the folly Dante. And if Austin Wiley ends up having a good year. If these teams were to manage to meet in the NCAA tournament, which is not exactly outside the realm of possibility, uh, that would be awfully fun because you could have Austin Wiley against a big guy. And let's face it, the way the games played nowadays, you just don't have a whole lot of really talented big men no. uh, on the court for you know uh, going heads up against each other in the college level. You don't see that very
1: often nowadays. Yeah. And, and Auburn just added uh, Babatunde Akinbalo. I think that's how you say his name. Oh, he
0: finally made it?
1: Yeah, he finally, finally made, made it. He's here. He's on campus. Yeah. It actually, I think this is the very first time Bruce Pearl's ever had a full roster with 13 players, scholarship players.
0: That might, uh, yeah, that might be. I think it's the first time. Can you believe that? Uh, um, I'm trying to remember those, that that first massive roster, r- r- roster yeah, time every year. Because yeah. they had so many guys. I think the they've always been, a, the, they've either been
1: one or two short like every year. Because of that. Because they've yeah. had guys leaving, and then they try to add a guy, and then they're like, well, we still have room for another guy, but it has to be the right guy, and then they don't add him. Um, and then they give you know walk-ons a scholarship or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. Like yeah. they've done the last couple of years. But um, now Auburn's just sitting around waiting for a notice of allegations. So
0: Them and uh, several others. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, and as we know, the uh, – Compliance and everything at Auburn during the process was certainly working uh, in concert with and in communication with various other entities, including the NCAA. Right. That's what they hope works in their favor, whereas uh, other institutions are far less cooperative. (laughs) So what may be coming down the pipe for for others? Arizona or LSU or any number of others Oh, LSU. is anyone's guess. Uh, but, oh, yeah, LSU. but it, it matters to, to both teams still by way of relative because, hey, you know, Arizona is a major power out here in these parts and certainly nationally. And, you know, it's like you can't even bring up the topic out there. Uh, did, Miller, Miller.
1: did Miller resign? No, no they're still trucking. Remember yeah, when he he like the final home game he like pretty
0: much said goodbye to the crowd. Uh, yeah, hey, they're, they're still acting pretty uh pretty <laughs> so defiant weird. by way of things nationally. So it's a yeah. uh, it's a weird deal, man. man uh, the out, way come. that institute, but institution to institution, school to school, the way in which everybody is going about handling yeah. these various issues is as varying as there as it gets. I mean, sure. Like I say, Auburn, you know, at least. I understand they, they've been criticized for certain things. I get it, but.
1: Yeah, what I don't get about you know. some of that stuff, the criticism stuff, it's like, okay, so Auburn tried to do the right thing after the fact when they found out these things, but maybe they did did it too right? Right. That's kind of what's, yeah. so they should be punished for that, for punishing themselves? I don't understand that line <laughs> of thinking.
0: Um, yeah. But, you, but again, you know. let's remember that at the very incarnation of the whole process nearly two years ago, mm-hmm. 23 months ago, yeah. when, this very be- when this whole issue began. God, it was that long that, ago? Man. Yeah, that Bill Self in Kansas, oh, he was God. the president of the NABC, and he was the one issuing all the holier-than-thou statements. Yeah, he was, yeah. And, and there were people far and wide who were saying, oh, really?
1: <laughs> and you had
0: people in the <laughs> national college basketball media landscape whose names I will not, you know, I'm not going to throw under the bus, but if you knew it at the time, you know who I'm talking about, who were saying, oh, well, here's Bill Self saying these things and not criticizing Bill Self, taking his word at face value
1: oh and gosh. acting
0: like he was the guy who was going to hold everybody as if he was holier than that. He's going to
1: change the culture, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But the only, the only people in the men's college basketball game who are both successful and and actually might be able to stand on their merits like that and take Mark that Few. position. Mark Few and Jay Wright. Jay Wright,
1: that's really? That's about it.
0: That's I don't know, about I don't know about much it. about Jay Wright, but that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there are not too many others who can actually cast those kind of stones and and, and actually carry the weight behind it. But so far, yeah, because ultimately it's not like Vill- Villanova's been loaded with a whole bunch of one and ones. That's, Um, yeah, that's that's, true, yeah. It's just not the way that they go about things. So, not to say that everything they've ever done has been upstanding, but I'm telling you by way of reputation and how they're perceived inside the basketball community, yes, that, yeah, Mark Few and Jay Wright are um, seemingly above reproach by the way that they hold and conduct their programs. I I, I guess that's why Jay Wright does shampoo commercials. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's just a squeaky clean guy.
0: Exactly. And then yep. you get well, then you get the conversations, though, of, oh, well, uh, uh, hey, uh, Dan, uh, this this coach yells too much at his players. So I uh, that's that's not good. I, I don't I don't want to see that. So the youth coaches, um, we, we have to now apologize yeah. for the impact there because, We're, oh, uh, well, everybody's going to emulate that. And I go, well, wait a minute. You know, if that's the case, Jay Wright's won a couple of national championships. Uh, did, 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 did suddenly everybody start wearing suits on on basketball courts that I miss? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just like I like old school guys like Tom Izzo. What can I say? Well, we're in a, um, we're
1: in a different day and time and everything's criticized. Everything. Yes. No kidding. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's it like covering Mario Cristobal? Because I, what I find interesting about him is he comes from the "quote unquote" Nick Saban tree, and seemingly everybody who comes from the Saban tree or is coached under him and becomes a head coach ends up adopting his media practices, his secrecy, um, you know, limiting contact with players and assistant coaches. Yet Mario Cristobal is uh, pretty open. So. Tell me, after watching all their scrimmages, how this team wins a single <laughs> game this
0: season. Well, we haven't had that level of access. We haven't. So um the the scrimmage access, no, that, that has not been part of the equation. But uh the the reason why Chris the ball is a little bit of an exception to the uh Save and rule, as you point out, is that I would say that he's um He's not exactly part of the Saban tree. He is, but he isn't in that. Obviously he was a, uh, long assistant coach and even head coach prior to working for Nick Saban. So Mario had kind of his own deal and own path before any of that. So he refined a lot of it and obviously garnered the, uh, reputation for being a renowned recruiter while being at Alabama, and certainly not just recruiter, but incredible offensive line position coach by the talent that he was not only bringing in, but then developing and churning out at the NFL level uh, by way of offensive lineman. But he already did have the FIU experience and in uh, working elsewhere in like I say, in college football, whether it be at Miami or Rutgers or or what have you, um, Mario had that before working for Saban. So he did have all of that background. Yes, he did obviously then take a lot of what the Alabama uh, blueprint is, but I think what he took from Nick was more about uh, when people talk about program, and I think People in our role probably see it more because we are around the institution on the day to day. But it's all of the finer workings and just exactly how far the tentacles of a football operation reach and what the uh, means of support roles are within a staff uh, and within an entire operation that's what defines a program. Whereas there are football teams and there are football programs. And ultimately the difference is not only the level of success, but when you have sustained success, the further those tentacles start to reach of what a program can be. Uh, I think that's what Mario took from his time at Alabama was seeing what a high level and successful and sustained success can look like under Saban compared to what he was seeing while he worked at uh, Miami. Certainly when he played at Miami, there was a lot of success there. Uh, and when frankly worked at Rutgers, there was some early success there in the early two thousands. There was, oh, yeah, yeah was and funny. there hasn't been a whole lot since, uh, but there was success there. But to compare Rutgers success to either Miami or, or Alabama. I mean, you got to be kidding. So, yes, I think that's what he took was, what does this look like at the highest level? What is, uh, obviously, the Saban process and, and all those things, but what does that look like at every level of a system and infrastructure? And then, oh, here's an opportunity to go, well, first starting out here at Oregon as a position coach, but then Willie Taggart leaves and and the players really support Chris the ball to be the head coach. It's the opportunity to uh, put that infrastructure in and potentially be uh, the batter program for a power five conference. Everybody talks about what he's doing by way of copying or mimicking Alabama. And I understand that or Georgia for that matter, because the strength and conditioning coach came from Georgia However, and they obviously visited those two schools in the offseason, in the spring. What I really see this as is a closer mirror image, too, is really the closer analogy is Clemson, not Alabama and Georgia. Because what they're really trying to do is take certain principles and certain pieces of that blueprint, but apply it in another Power Five league And that level of intensity, that level of recruiting and apply it at the line, a line of scrimmage, you know, situation, especially offensive and defensive lines. And if you do that in this league, just like Clemson did in the ACC, you will be begin to create a wedge between yourself and the competition that will be very hard for a lot of teams out here to overcome. (laughs) So speaking of which, does Chip
1: Kelly? does Chip Kelly get fired at UCLA? Like two years from now?
0: I uh, I happen that, to be a believer that uh, he's going to have a pretty short tenure. Yeah, that dude I, cannot recruit. You. No, he can't. What's his problem? No, he can't. Why? Uh, because he never has, and I don't think ever will prioritize the especially the defensive line. If you right. want to say the offensive line, hey, that's a criticism, but hey, well, whether or not they're going to run. Uh, a a offensive scheme similar to what he did at oregon who knows they're not there now but I don't maybe, know. who knows if he ever gets to see that day but yeah. if you don't prioritize the defensive line at all it really don't matter what you do on offense you're never going to be able to stop anybody and yeah. they have not they have not prioritized enough defensive line and defensive recruiting over there they haven't yeah, yeah. but long story short back to your original question about what it's like to cover crystal ball and all the rest. Those are the things in the systems that he's trying to put in place, the other parts of the operation of whether it's media access or interviews or other things. No, they're quite accessible. And like I joked with Gus back in the summer when I stopped by that one day cause I was in Atlanta already on business. Uh, Hey, I covered Gus for six years. He didn't call me once, six and a half years. What are you uh, talking about? I,
1: covered- I, I called you plenty of things.
0: Well, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, it took uh, Mario two weeks. Uh, so no, it's just a different level of understanding and appreciation for uh, the people who do cover the program and also the people, the, not only the people who do it in general, but people who really get it and people who get the game and get the vision for uh, what they are trying to do. Uh, yes, I happen to. Understand and appreciate what uh ball and his staff are trying to do here. But that said, when they have to, when they don't do well or they play really poorly, have I been at times their harshest critic too? Yeah, but it, it isn't like when that happened, when they got crushed by Arizona last season and abandoned their offensive identity in the process and made a average uh, off a, a, at points average players look unbelievable. And I called him out for doing that, uh, especially defensively. It wasn't like all of a sudden Mario said, well, how come you're being so negative? That, that was never part of the questioning. That was never like, oh, what are you doing to us? I, he was basically nodding his head in agreement with anything that I was saying. I was going like, I'm sorry, you guys were supposed to be this run first, uh, you know, run to set up the pass offense, even though you have Justin Herbert. Why at Arizona did you decide to? Throw that out the window, and on P and ten you're passing 75 plus percent of the time. What what happened? You know I thought this was a run first team with a you know thousand yard rusher and 800 yard rusher. What happened here? And he's basically nodding his head, going you know and clenching his teeth, probably second guessing the entire game plan all week in his head. As opposed to if I did that down there, as we all know, the reaction was well I don't know why you want to be negative all the time. All right, I, you know it's a different approach to things. So you know. Not to say we've never disagreed with each other, uh, we we have, and we've certainly had our moments. But yeah, Chris the ball has been uh, accessible and approachable, uh, which has been uh, a nice change uh, for me for sure. So that's that's been uh, that's been good.
1: So tell me why this game's not going to be seven to freaking six?
0: I can't, man. Oh really? Well, what? dude, I honestly, I I'm telling you right now. Don't do this. I don't think this is going to be terribly high scoring. Oh I boy. don't. I don't. I don't.
1: All right. Well, one. I'll say this. Well, I'll say this. Gus Malzahn at Auburn in his openers against Power 5 teams averages 22 points.
0: That's a very good and appropriate stat to apply to this for one. And
1: he's got a true freshman quarterback.
0: That's number two. And against the defensive coordinator who, he's coming from Boise State, but he had uh, unbelievable numbers there at at times, Uh, I understand, in the Mountain West. But uh, some very good numbers there, and he hasn't faced this guy before. But above all, I put it more on the other side of the coin. As Auburn fans well know, uh, it's not as though there have been a whole ton of opponents out there who have been lighting up the scoreboard on the Kevin Steele defense during his time at Auburn. So as talented and high-flying as this Oregon offense might look at times, both last season and probably in the season to come, against certain opponents, I'm not sure that Justin Herbert, C.J. Verdell, Incorporated, is going to be able to go out there and light up the scoreboard and put up some crooked numbers. It just is not something that a lot of teams have done. So I very much respect the Auburn defense and the best defensive line in the country. And, uh, and I say, look, to score, there have only been, I believe it's five teams during Kevin's tenure as defensive coordinator who have scored over 30 points against yeah. Auburn. Yeah. And Alabama did it twice. Right, And the others were Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma Mm -hmm. in a bowl game, UCF in a bowl game, and I feel like, uh, oh, yeah, Tennessee was the other that hit 30 on the nose. I think those are the five.
1: With, like, three turnovers, one of which was a touchdown.
0: Right. So So not really. Exactly. So ultimately, unless you're Alabama- In the Iron Bowl, which one of which was uh, a second half eruption of points this past year where they decided, oh, wait a minute, getting those corners turned around and thrown over their heads might be the way to go about this. Uh, Okay, but unless you're Alabama and the level of talent of them or your Baker Mayfield. Or your UCF with everything to play for Auburn with nothing to play for uh, and several players sick, injured or whatever. And not making excuses, just pointing out those were those were the teams who put up over 30 points against Kevin Steele defense at Auburn. Okay, so with that, by way of context, do I think that even with perhaps the most physically talented quarterback in college football, perhaps he's certainly in the conversation uh, and a. Albeit somewhat injury depleted receiving core and really talented running back and maybe the best offensive line in the sport, maybe it's in the conversation. All right, hold on a that second. That they're going to go out there and put up 30-plus points? I don't think so because I think the Auburn defense is that good.
1: You think Oregon has the best offensive line in the country?
0: They're in the conversation. All right, all right. I'm not saying that they definitely do, man. I know that George is really talented. I know Oklahoma, Oklahoma's really talented. I think yeah. it's Notre Dame. Who also has a really good unit? But Oregon's in the conversation, man. Okay. And Pro Football Focus has two of those guys on their preseason first-team All-American list. Uh, and another one, an honorable mention. Lemieux is widely considered. Shane Lemieux yeah. is widely considered one of the best guards. Throckmorton's a board, a probably going to be a first-round yeah. pick, and Sewell probably will be when he's draft eligible. There aren't too many lines out there well, that have three bona fide first well, or second-round picks on them.
1: To me, this whole game just comes down to just one matchup or one unit against one unit. It's Oregon's offensive line against Auburn's defensive line. Whoever wins that wins the game. That it's that simple. <sighs>
0: It's, Auburn, it's the Auburn, matchup of the game, but I don't know no, if it's the no, no, matchup.
1: No, that's, that's the entire game right there. If Auburn is getting to Justin Herbert and stopping the run game, Auburn wins. If Oregon is able to have success and run the ball against Auburn, they're going to win. Because it, Justin it, Herbert will it, be able to throw the ball. very well
0: could be that simple. It it, I well think, be. Be. I think it is.
1: I think it is. I think it's that simple.
0: And again, it's the mark. It, it's the marquee match of of the game. There's no question because just the sheer scope of talent. There's not too often outside of uh, uh, playoff games where you really get the opportunity to see. Let's face it: the number one returning defensive tackle in the country go up against the number one returning offensive guard in the country. All, all right. Mean, so tell, so, yeah, yeah. So
1: tell me this. All right. You know, most of everybody has Oregon rated higher in the polls. You know, whatever, whatever that means, right? Vegas, offshore books, all favor Auburn. Obviously, you want to get money moving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why? Why do you think Auburn's a favorite in this game?
0: Two things, uh, I think, overridingly. One. Uh, just in general, the SEC uh, and and gambling action probably historically on Auburn and SEC teams relative to gambling action on Oregon and Pac-12 teams.
1: Yeah, but wouldn't you think when those lines open, it would be more tilted toward Oregon so people with that mindset about the SEC would start throwing money at Auburn? Not well, the, see, other the, way funny,
0: around? the funny thing is, though, is that um, – well, the I, I've seen one – place that listed that the opening line was like six or six and a half yeah and that obviously it's come all the way down so if it I, actually I looked at that somewhere I lo-
1: which i looked at some lines today james you know some of them you know may june all that yeah. then there were yeah. some that actually opened up here within the last two days and most all of those are either auburn at three or three and a half
0: yeah i've cool. seen between two and a half and three and a half and, the, and those, no, are, those three
1: and those were opening lines right before any movement here in the last two days with Auburn having a true freshman quarterback.
0: Yeah. And I, but I can still see that because the, the second component being this, that on just overall talent of roster, I'm talking top to bottom, I'm talking across all 85 players. Okay. That obviously Oregon had a historically good, uh, recruiting class last year. But that was the best in program history at number seven or eight, depending on what rankings you're looking at. Well, Auburn over the prior four or five years probably averaged, probably about nationally speaking, recruiting-wise, what, nine, 10, 11, somewhere in that ballpark? Well, Oregon hasn't been that high. Now, that said, some of the players who were members of classes who weren't ranked that high are preseason All-Americans like Calvin Throckmorton, Shane Lemieux, Justin Herbert. I mean, Justin Herbert was like a three-star recruit. So, you know, it doesn't mean that you're damned forever because uh, your recruiting class wasn't high enough or whatever. We understand that. But I'm just saying, like, you you talk about why a line is the way it is. They're trying to find a a medium, a uh, equal point between action on both sides. So I think it's just a matter of, yeah historically uh both the recruiting perspective uh and the overall talent and the second part being just historical betting patterns i would guess um but do i understand why uh both the betting line is the way it is and the polls are the way they are yeah yeah that said i will say i don't think oregon should be quite as high as number 11 in the ap poll i don't i don't they're one of uh, I think it was, I want to say it was eight. It was either six or eight. I think it was eight teams who were preseason ranked who finished last season unranked. And of that group, they're the team that's ranked the highest. And I understand why. Because of everybody coming back on the offensive line. It's the most experienced returning offensive line in the country. And because of Justin Herbert. And voters love second-year coaches. Yes, which is why Nebraska is ranked 24th yeah, this Oh my See, that That's, I that's to... criminally stupid. I mean, I look, I know a lot of people are really high on them because of analytics and all these other things, but let them prove it first before you ever rank them. I mean, give me a break. But anyway, that's kind of my same stance though with Oregon right now. Is I think people who have them that high, 11 or higher, and there I think one of you people poll voted or had them at like 6 which is nuts. I think that people who are doing that, whether they're doing it on purpose or not, are really setting up this team to be perceived as a failure. If they go out and lose the Auburn when they ended last season, ranked 33rd. So to jump from 33 to 11, just because, well, they have a lot of guys back and other guys don't, other teams don't. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like, I don't know. I mean, yes, I'm not telling you, you don't have them ranked at all. I'm just saying 11 might be a little bit high. If I were an AP poll voter this year, quite honestly, I probably would have had them in at either 14 or 15. Is that a huge difference? No. Would I had them still at least one or two or maybe three spots ahead of Auburn? Yeah, but I just wouldn't have had them as high as 11 or 12. I wouldn't have. Because I don't think they've proved it yet. Now, if they go out and beat Auburn in the opener, then you move them up into that
1: position. See, folks, James is negative at Oregon too. Let's see how he's just derailing <laughs> Oregon's season before it even starts. How they're not, they're not. They shouldn't be getting any any of this. These I'm just saying that
0: moving them up to 11 with this is still a team that won a bowl game against albeit a very good defense, but a terrible Michigan State offense. Won that game seven to six and you you had to sit there for a a awful Oregon State team last year in the Civil War (laughs) Uh, there were some you know their low points last year were really tough man like yeah they went nine and four there was a lot of progress it was a step forward all those things that was the positive side the downside was some of those losses were oh smokes
1: Pac-12 Auburn beat Washington last
0: year that yeah, and, Auburn beat them and, and Oregon beat them. And then Washington goes to the Rose Bowl and also yeah. takes one on the chin. Yeah. So you can't – the Pac-12 cannot count on Washington to provide a uh, win well, and, fe- and feather in the cap at any level.
1: Well, yeah, that's – but I'm just saying it's Pac-12, man. You're not in football country anymore,
0: James. No, but the lone program out here that does have an SEC-like fan base and uh, audience and appetite – is the Oregon Ducks, which is why I'm here. It's not USC? Uh, Not entirely, because, man, LA's a
1: weird town, man. Well, I know that, but I'm just talking about as a fan base, because they're not all in California.
0: No, but that's, like, it, it's just... I mean, obviously, they don't draw a ton by way of, like, like, people the spring game, but, like, ultimately, it's not the way you judge the program entirely, yeah. but... No, it's just, I mean, look, they're a great institution and an unbelievable program historically, but no. I mean, Oregon's got a, a stronger, I think, overall uh, uh, following um, on the day-to-day across the board for all programs, not just the football program um, as a department. And now, if you want to tell me when they're hitting at their peak, if USC was, you know, amid the peak Carroll era, well, yeah, but that's. I mean yeah. We're going back. We're going back a ways now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Things have changed.
0: So, so tell me,
1: what what uh, what's the uh, thread count on Oregon's jerseys for this game?
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, there's there's some things you're just not gonna get me to. Yeah, I. I they they do have. Uh, uh, numerous uniform combinations, as always.
1: Do fan? And, hey, here's the thing. I, I want to know this. Do fans get mad when people criticize them having so many jerseys? Honestly, uh, I think because... Because that's like their tradition. That's like their only tradition. Well, it's,
0: it's one of their big things. Despite not having a they, tradition. <laughs> they, they really do... Um, I, I will say this. Uh, they've probably limited their... Um, the sheer volume of uniform combinations.
1: Yeah, there's only like what fifty-eight combinations this year.
0: <laughs> well, they say that they they've designated uh, five.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's normal for a football program.
0: I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that out, outside the realm of. So what
1: nowadays. are, are they, what are they so, wearing? Are they wearing green for the uh, opener?
0: Well, that's kind of the great question that I'm actually kind of curious. It's like, all right, well, you know, who's the quote-unquote home game, uh, you know, home team? Auburn's and, wearing uh, navy blue. But, and what, you know, and who wears what? Because if, Auburn, if Auburn Auburn's, Auburn's white, wearing navy blue,
1: then, Auburn's wearing navy blue. That's what I'm well, telling you.
0: I'm pretty I sure. I think that if, if they're wearing navy blue, then I would think Oregon's probably going with, either white or yellow.
1: I thought it was green. I thought I heard someone say it was green.
0: And maybe it is. Which that's doesn't make sense to me. Weird. Uh, yeah, just because that's what I'm saying. green versus blue aspect is going to be yeah. a little weird. Not that Oregon wearing green is weird. They wear green a ton. Um, but they also have a couple. They have a, a dark green which is actually kind of a cool looking jersey I got to admit. Yeah, I saw uh, that. <laughs> but they yeah. got like a it's... little
1: bright green highlighter green, whatever you can call it.
0: Yep. And they've got yeah. a, like an electric neon yellow and White and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, they've got plenty of options. I'll say that they've got ample options, but um, but now do fans, no, to fans they criticize or, or are they sensitive to criticism? I have no idea. Ultimately, frankly, but you it, said their fan base is really large like of by way of like the fun. I will tell you one funny one we had last year by way of fan interaction with it. So, just to show you, like, you think everybody's on board with everything or whatever, whatever, um, by way of like certain things with a program and tradition and culture, like you say. Just to show you, like, there's still, I won't say a disconnect, but there's still people out there who just, like, don't totally get everything. So one game last year, Oregon wears these uh, Jordan brand black and white jerseys. And, I mean, they're pretty cool looking. Don't be wrong. You know, they're, they're fine. But because they're Jordan brand, they have the, you know, the Jumpman logo. And the cheerleaders have their separate deal and they've got the jump man stuff all over it and that's when the duck came into the came into ottson in, um in the uh mj jersey and everything and and jumped off the board dunking. it was quite amusing Anyways. wait hold on a second wait
1: are you talking about the mascot duck or an actual like duck like no yeah, live mascot. duck like the, the aflac duck, duck. Yeah, okay not, not The mascot. It, duck. been so much better if it was like the aflac duck wearing a michael mm-hmm. jordan jersey
0: oh but it was, no it was amusing as hell that the Oregon duck comes in on top of the like you know the uh uh, push-up board to I believe I can fly wearing an MJ jersey and you know people are walking him out carrying him on this board out of the end zone uh and it's you know slow you know (laughs) like slow motion and then he decides it jumps like 10 feet down to jam a basketball into like a mini you know Fisher Price basketball hoop it was pretty amusing I gotta say anyway they're wearing those jerseys. Incredible. I got numerous emails on late Saturday night and Sunday and Monday from fans asking me what the heck was on the jersey. They couldn't make out the logo. They didn't understand why a man was running on the jersey. <laughs> oh, and I said, no. it's it's not a man running. It's – it's um, uh, the kids call it a uh, Jumpman. It's um, <clears throat> it's uh, Michael uh, Michael Jordan, um, like Mario, and... Super Mario Jumpman. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, but, now granted, like I had a few fans. I'm not gonna just act like it was a ton of people, but yeah. there were a handful of people who sent me emails going like, "What in the heck was that on the jersey?" And they go, it's uh, forget it. It's the Oregon O with a X for like Oregon multiplied by Jordan, and that's what the Guys, anyway, don't worry about it. Okay, all right, so prediction time.
1: Uh, First, I got to ask you, Angel Obby versus Jumpman (laughs) Oregon Duck. Man,
0: they are two very amusing mascots, okay? They are two very amusing mascots. I will give the edge to the duck because, because... For two reasons. Number one, the duck is not sensitive to Lee Corso wearing his head like obvious is. Why, how could you
1: wear Obie's head? You'd have to cut his head off.
0: Obviously. He's a the, living being. Uh, as we all know. Uh, and two, because the duck comes onto the field at Ottson on the back, of a motorcycle oh gosh now if he actually rode the motorcycle himself oh he's not driving it
1: oh what a pansy he's right he's riding shotgun
0: it's well yeah because it's kind of hard to control a clutch when you have giant webbed feet brandon
1: they're not webbed uh I've, i've seen them i've seen the uniform
0: all I'm saying is... is if he's you got had, toes. If you he, had feet like that, it would not be very easy to control. Well, make a clutch. custom
1: <laughs> make a custom chopper for him, man. You're on the West Coast. You do I, something. Yeah. Yes. By the way, um, look, what kind of duck does not have wings?
0: Well, he has wings, but he's riding...
1: No, he did not have wings. Hell- Where's his wings? Have you Where's seen the wings?
0: wings? Yeah, he... Well, for one, he uses the wings when he when the duck's shooting basketballs. By the way, he makes long term, uh, long distance three pointers in uh, basketball games. Does he have
1: wings? I've never seen this thing with wings. I've seen arms. I don't see wings.
0: Yeah, I I I think it's closer to arm. No,
1: it's not wings. That duck does not have wings. That is a flightless bird.
0: No, I think a penguin is a flightless bird.
1: No, but that uh, duck is a flightless bird, and so are penguins. So here's what I'm getting at.
0: Auburn has a tiger this, with I wings. I the edge to the duck because he rides on a motorcycle, and uh, Corso <laughs> can wear his head. Well. But Auburn Aubie is a good mascot. It is, it is a very good mascot. He but
1: he also has wings. He's a tiger with wings.
0: Uh, he also dressed up in the uh, Troy uniform once and looked out. Yeah. That turned out. Yeah. Well.
1: Damn. Yeah. Um, okay. It was so, a rough
0: day uh, down in Baton Rouge, is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah it was. So tell me – oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, that's yes. right. He dressed up as a Troy mascot at LSU the week after getting beat by Troy Auburn's holding a big lead, and then they get get beat. Yep. Yeah, I forgot about that. Wow. Wow. Anyway. See, that's why you um, had me on, man. Yeah, I guess so. Go down yeah. memory lane of bizarre World <laughs> Memories. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the game. Who's hmm. winning, man? Who's winning? Give me a winner.
0: I, I've. Literally not even made any predictions anywhere yet, uh, in part because I just wanted to see exactly what the final injury toll for both teams ended up being. This I is have just to save a, this
1: as an exclusive for my radio show.
0: No, it's just no, it's just been a depressing fall camp for both teams. Holy crap. Major players wow. go
1: depressing? down.
0: Depressing? It's depressing by way of the injuries. Like, you would hope that, you know, wow. guys would make it through health. All the major players would get through healthy. Auburn's um,
1: side, for, they've only had one major injury, and he's going to be back soonish, so... Right. But he's a pretty major player. And he, look, oh, I hope not
0: sports is on the field in Dallas. What can I say? But like, you know, but if he's not, yeah, he might,
1: he might miss one game, yeah. two games, right. maybe three.
0: It's, you know, so if he does, that's obviously really unfortunate for Auburn and unfortunate in general, just because you hope to see the great player get the plays. All I'm saying. Um, and obviously Oregon, as we talked about earlier, has gone through numerous injuries at the receiver position. you go going like good grief. Like, yeah, what's the final uh, toll here is all I'm saying. So, assuming that both teams at this point suffer no more injuries of any kind and everybody gets through accordingly, uh, I've I really have I've had it pretty close to like what that 20 uh, 2016 Clemson score was, man. I think it's going to be some kind of whack really? number, like a 17-14 uh, or 20 to 13, 20 to 16 kind of game. Man. Um, I really do. Now that said, at the moment, based again, with all the, with all that said, with all the, you know, predicates of, hey, you know, we're going to not see any more injuries to the team here. Uh, I do think Oregon gets this one just because I, as much as I think the Auburn defense is going to contain them relatively speaking, uh, I just have a lot of questions about that Auburn offense. And while I also have questions about the Oregon defense, I, I don't know that Auburn is going to be able to stress them enough uh, to, to really exploit what some of those question marks might be. Because, and not a knock on Bo Nix, I would have said the same thing if were Joey Gatewood, because there's an inexperienced quarterback, because there's a run game that is coming off a, very down year though has talent with uh, with Whitlow and and Cam Uh, and an offensive line that while it returns all the major starters, there's a lot of question marks there. And I know a lot of people in the Auburn fan base want to just look past that and say, everything's about experience and how good Prince Teguanago can be and et cetera. And look, maybe they will be a great offensive line by the end of the season. But I'm sorry. I can't get ba- get past and look past and go, well, hey, uh, you know, they got crushed by Tennessee uh, in their defensive line. And I understand Oregon's defensive line is not as good as Alabama's. But Quinnen Williams absolutely destroyed the inside of the Auburn offensive line. And no, Jordan Scott is not Quinton Williams, but he's pretty darn good. And Andy Avalos is a pretty darn good play caller and schemer. And they're going to put some pressure on that group. And when Jarrett Stidham, who knew where to go with the ball very fast, couldn't do it last season, hey, I think Bo Nix could be a damn good college quarterback. But I don't know if in his very first game he's going to know where to go that quickly or that the running game is going to find that scale of success to where – like I say, to where they're really going to be able to stress the uh, Oregon defense just enough. So I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be competitive, but I do think all, uh, Oregon wins. And whether it's 17-13 or 20-16 to 16 or something like that, I think it's a one-score game, In uh, both teams score below uh, 24 points, probably below 21 points.
1: You heard it here first, everybody. James still hates Auburn. <laughs> That's all I yeah, wanted let, let to hear. Let
0: that be the, the narrative. That's gonna be anyway, that's yeah. that's
1: gonna be the episode title. James still hates Auburn. <laughs> Let's see how many people click on uh, that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have at it. Go go crazy. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get revenge on you uh, at some point here this week when I have you on uh, the radio show. <laughs> I don't know if um, my phone's
1: gonna be working this week. <laughs> I've been having phone issues.
0: Yeah. Well, well uh, again, we'll have you on and uh, and and we won't we won't put you through quite the ringer, but uh but because we'll be live air and uh, and, and not doing the, the podcast. well though it will be a podcast it will be live air in the first place um, but uh, we'll have some fun with it, but yeah, uh, uh, you can have have fun with it and title it title it accordingly uh, but yeah, just just know that uh, yeah there were there were times that I was uh very much leading the charge for for positivity either towards individuals or uh, uh, coaches or whatever uh, while I was there as well uh, for for the masses who only want to think that uh, yeah, I was out to get everybody yeah, well that there were plenty of people who saw that that was not the case is all I'm saying
1: so see see everybody, James is a actually an Auburn fan, and we're <laughs> gonna reveal here first as well that. Gus Malzon hired James to go to Oregon to spy on them so that going into this game, Auburn having have an upper hand.
0: You heard it here first. He said, he said listen, I hear Mario has uh, uh, open, open practices every once in a while. So, all right, when you go, I need you to take film uh, on, uh, on your phone and uh, uh, send it to me directly. All right. So, yeah. Uh, just, I need your phone to have just one button just like mine. It just says film, alright? Okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying,
1: I was over at Gus Malzon's house, James called me, and Gus Malzon <laughs> picked up the phone instead of me.
0: And I, and I wasn't expecting it at first, so when it picks up, I'm not thinking it's him, because why would I? Uh, so, when it's just like, hello, whatever, I'm just going like, hey, what's up, man? And I'm like, wait, that didn't sound like Brandon, and then he continues the conversation, and yes. Uh, now, that said, I've also, by the way, I have asked and followed up in that request for Gus to come on the show before the game. <laughs> that ain't happening. No kidding, no kidding, because at this point, uh, I made the request going back a ways because I said, if we get too close to the game, it's going to be robo coach, and the answer is going to be no. So I was trying to have him on before camp ended because I knew after that point there was no way. But he would have knows, really, you know? he
1: would have really had a grand old time on your show.
0: Hey, you know, it wouldn't. What, what, what do you think it would be like press conference style? I mean, who knows, You know, you could really grill him. It'd be great. No, it wouldn't. I. It wouldn't. That would not have been.
1: Have you paid away. your property taxes?
0: Oh, stop. Uh, it would have been uh, I, no. I would have gone back to the fact that uh, one, I would have asked him if Michael Dyer will or will what members, what come on if Michael Dyer if how many times he watched the Michael Dyer play and uh. If, uh, he was definitive if he how confident he is that he was not down. Hey, he to the listeners that... in this area, man, that's a huge deal. I'm not saying that I think that's the he case. wasn't down though. It's pretty clear he went down. I'm not saying what. I feel and believe is the case, Brandon. I have to have a <laughs> listening audience uh, in the Eugene Springfield area who feels uh, a certain way. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. um, that's all. But uh, that, and uh, and remember, hey, look, his, his head coaching career, uh, while starting at Arkansas State, first game was against Oregon. And, they got walloped. Yes, they did. And... The game being in Dallas, so you have his head coaching career started against this opponent. Don't bring a it up on the podcast. Alter. Don't do it. His uh, uh, his high point in his coaching career and coaching life, uh, albeit as an offensive coordinator at the time, came against this opponent. Uh-huh. And Dallas, being the site of the game, is where he was born and raised. He was
1: born in Irving, Texas. The game's in Arlington. Which is right there. Right. I want to do that story, James, but guess what? No one's going to get to do that story. Maybe someone will. I don't know, but I don't think
0: it's going to be me. Nope. I think uh, certainly this would be the one time uh, uh, on the calendar and and real reason to where – there would have been any opportunity to do it. So instead uh, what's going to happen is on Tuesday, so it's unless press George Roder's been working on it, you know, yeah. you know, in the background for the last three weeks and we're both yeah. going to get hit over the head with it yeah.
1: uh, and sometime in the next uh, you know, week. Well, so instead what's going to happen is Tuesday, I'm going to have to ask in front of everybody and everybody's going to do a story and that's going to suck.
0: Well, He's not yeah. thing. I'm gonna say, but what's the response? Like, he's not what's, say what's the significance of of Dallas to you? uh
1: Well, he's so entrenched and has so many memories about the Cowboys and Landry and all that stuff. I mean, today on I'm recording this on Thursday, Thursday night on Tiger Talk, he he called it Texas Stadium instead of right. did he didn't even call it Cowboys Stadium, where AT and T Stadium. He said Texas Stadium. So He still got that in his head those days. So, um, right. I'm sure it's a dream. It's a dream come true for him to get a coach at the home of the Cowboys, man. I mean, and as we've said in the past, if he ever got an at NFL job, point, that would be the
0: job he would covet like crazy. If he were well, to be interested in, life, in the NFL, that was the at at one point it may now be still, but at one point in life, it absolutely was the dream job for him.
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, he he has said that. Um, so.
0: Yeah, no, there's no question that that's be a great story, significant.
1: Be uh, a great story, but instead I'm have a one source story on it, and it's going to publish Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday, and no one's going to read it. So <laughs> I love, well, I nothing, love the lack of access. We don't get to like tell great being, uh, stories anymore.
0: Punch full of confidence there. Uh, well, yeah. hey, you know, then,
1: listen, uh, my confidence is shot, dude. Having had, you've known me for how long? You, yeah. you know, you know, I, uh, I've been punched in the stomach so much that uh, I'm just a broken redwood in the forest that no one has seen fall or cares about, or is even seen on the ground. I'm just there dead lying on the ground. Once great, but no one looked, (laughs) no one saw me at my prime and no one saw me at my fall.
0: I feel like this is a part of a depressing, uh, poetry session at a coffee shop. I should be snapping my fingers and, uh,
1: I was gonna say, isn't that like just outside your doorway and Eugene?
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I was gonna say I could definitely next to the uh, go dispensary the road and uh, and find that kind of establishment. Um, yeah, I'm sure you could. Yeah. Yes.
1: You'd probably get that's you an edible too.
0: <laughs> that I'm is sure. a thing out here, indeed it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is quite the uh, that's quite the cultural adjustment uh, to where uh, just going down, uh, you know, just driving down the street or walking down the street, and all of a sudden you go like, what kind of oh. All right. Well, that's that's what that looks like. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, all
1: right, folks. Well, James has a really cush gig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, James. So tell people how they can follow you, everything you do, you you write for. Do your do your plugs.
0: All right. So yeah, on Twitter, as always, you can follow me at James Crepe, Crepea, C R E P E A. That's where I also have uh, all my. Links and stories to OregonLive.com for the Oregonian, and where uh, uh, you can follow along for uh, all of the fine updates for the radio show, which I started only a few weeks ago, but have had you on a couple of times and uh, had Tom on, had JG on, had uh, we'll have probably all of you on all over again here this week ahead. Um, had a bunch of national guys, had Dennis Dodd on the other day. Uh, We actually just had one of the uh, uh, casino guys here in Oregon on uh, today because legal sports betting is coming to the state on Tuesday. Oh, wow. So that's a big deal. So we had had one of the representatives of that casino on today to discuss that and all the inner workings and uh, various betting limits. And uh, yes, they will be taking action in the college game. So that's a huge deal. So yeah, so follow me there. Read me on OregonLive.com. And, uh, yeah, listen to the show and subscribe to the podcast for it, because especially for this week, because you'll get uh, plenty of the Auburn guys. But, uh, yeah, we'll chat all and, Pac-12 and, stuff and college sports stuff. So and you're
1: one-on-one on. with Gus Malzahn.
0: Hey, I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm not telling you it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh,
1: but I have a story you know, idea.
0: Hey, I, I you could have knocked me over with a feather, you know, a month ago when he followed me on Twitter out of the blue. So, yeah, I can't well, say that it's not going to happen, man. Like,
1: yeah, you know. he's uh, he's keeping track of you, dude. I know he is.
0: Oh, I know he is. Yeah, there was somebody else from uh, the program who followed me recently. So, yes.
1: oh, yeah, yeah, they, I,
0: they I, I'm not I, again. I, I'm not exactly surprised. Like, oh wait, they're reading what's going on out here. No, no kidding. <laughs> like, James <laughs> I, is a sleeper agent. Yeah, I say, hey, they're James definitely. Uh, for Auburn. They're keeping tabs. They're keeping tabs. I can tell you that uh, uh, people here are uh, keeping tabs, both of me and what's going on over there as well. So, uh, <laughs> but like co- at but, what but, but, but at what point? coaches don't read anything. They they have no idea. They don't read the paper. They don't read yeah, online. They have right. no
1: idea. Yeah. yeah, I'm not reminded of that every day. Yeah, especially when a coach goes, "Why do you write that about me?" So, um. <clears throat> What quarter are you going to say, War Eagle, in the press box? <laughs> so that everybody knows that you are just a sleeper agent.
0: Ah, yes. That 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 boy. If that's going to be the code, man, that's uh, that's not really uh, too subliminal or nothing. Um, I was going to say, are we coming up with, uh, you know, Miss Lippy's car is green. Uh, at least something
1: <laughs> we were thinking about as a beat. Uh, Printing up T-shirts that says the James Crepia show and wearing it to the press box like all of us, and so when we had to go to the Auburn press conference, we'd all be sitting in the front row with shirts that says the James Crepia show.
0: (laughs) Oh, that would be perfect. Oh, but but
1: instead you're getting a retired KT Harrell jersey.
0: Well, I mean, hey, yeah, I'll take it. Hey, by the way, by the way,
1: have you heard of this Chumo Kiki guy? How do you think yeah, he did this year?
0: Pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. He had he ended up having quite the uh the fine college career in a hurry. Uh, yeah,
1: what what did you think of him before before his uh career began? What did I think of him before his career? Began? What did, what did you what did you think before the season started? What did you think of Chuma?
0: So after his freshman year, just before this past year?
1: Before this past season.
0: I I, not nothing like harsh. I, I don't know where you're going.
1: Oh, uh, oh, it's not what I. No, hear. I
0: thought I thought he was going to be all right. I thought I, I oh. certainly thought I thought his I thought he could fill out more physically, which he oh. certainly went on to do. Uh, but I, I hey, as as Bruce Pearl had mentioned at various points, you know, go back like to his freshman year when he was making the analogies of. uh, You know, right now he's like a teddy bear, but we need him to be a grizzly bear. Uh, Yeah, I thought, you know, he probably needed to uh, just fill out more, gain some muscle and, uh, you know, but certainly had the potential to be a pretty damn, you know, tough guy and good interior player. But, you know, I wasn't was I envisioning that it would be uh, uh, the level of draft pick this season that he was probably not. But, hey, credit to him. Not not to say that I didn't see it coming, you know, a year or two after the fact, but he certainly went on the express line. Credit to him. Yeah. He put He's in no, a ton of work. Yeah. Uh, You know, last offseason in particular. He's yeah. no KT and, Harrell. Again, you're just going to hold that against me as if it was like Oh, for the rest of your life. Deal. You guarantee it. Yeah,
1: I Fine. guarantee it.
0: Again, I, I am confident that in you don't, program don't history, say don't there say will it. not be many Auburn players James. going on and on and on, and certainly in the historically speaking, in as far as how many Auburn that's, basketball players led the, the SEC in scoring.
1: That's not the point. The point is you want his jersey retired.
0: I said that. No, what I said in the uh-uh. question at the time Uh-oh. was that. What did because you because of the finite number of players? What that did would you never want, Accomplish James? those kinds of things, leading a, leading a conference in scoring and putting up the kind of statistical numbers that he was putting up, which are undeniable. He was having a particularly great season that year. That those are the kinds of things that start the conversation for somebody to have their jersey retired.
1: And with that, I'm retiring this conversation. I, I, have, I have to go anyway. The baby's being put to sleep. I've been doing this way too long with you. A 30 minute show turned into an hour and 25 minutes because James talks a lot, and I like to I like to poke at him and and call him out on his uh, BS.
0: Some of which was uh, positive for Auburn players historically. So yeah, color right. but, you know count me accused. Uh, I'll.
1: I'll see you at the KT Hurrell celebration <laughs> in Arlington, Texas. August 31st, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC. James Creppy, everybody. Hates Oregon, loves Auburn. <laughs> oh,
0: no one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover.